Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 20 of the Just and the Suffering podcast, featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I've got another great show for you today. We are coming up on week number 10 of the NFL season, and that means the regular season is halfway over. Can you believe that? We are halfway through the NFL regular season. What have we learned so far? What can we expect to come? I'm going to be joined today again by Joe D'Aloisio, who we talked to way back in week number one. He covers the league for Fanside. He's back with me today. We're going to break down some of the storylines to watch with the NFL at midseason. Showing the Money is also back with your picks for week number 10. I am on a hot bit of a hot streak right now. Went 3-0 and last week. I'm now 7-2 and over the last three weeks. I'm closing in on the challengers. We'll look to make another push this week. That's coming up later in the show. Stay tuned to the end for this week's two-minute drill, where I talk about a little, a little, let's call it political adjacent material, mostly because I have a connection to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who most people know became the youngest woman ever elected to Congress last night. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get it all rolling with this week's opening tip, where I take a look at the current ongoing disaster with my New York football Jets right after this. Second down and nine. Bad snap again. Donald corrals it, and he's picked off. On the return, it's Baker, and Baker scores! That all started with the snap. Darnold, he feels pressure that he felt all day long, and then in addition to the snap being off, you get excited, your footwork is out of balance, you're late on the throw. You wish you could have it back once it comes out of your hand because you know nothing good is going to come from it. All right, and we're back with this week's opening tip. That call, courtesy of CBS Sports, Andrew Catalan, James Lofton. Sunday's Jets lost to the Dolphins. They lose 13-6 to in a game that was extremely ugly to watch. It was just a nightmare from start to finish. Good football all over the place Sunday. And I'm stuck watching this miserable New York Jet football team in the 1 o'clock hour. One, there are a lot of bad takeaways in this game. Number one, Sam Darnold looks like he's regressing. Throws four interceptions in the game. A couple of bad decisions on there, especially on the pick six we just heard from Jordan Baker. That play was a disaster. Simply put, this group was bad. The passing game couldn't move. And once again... The Jets could not run the football. Isaiah Crowell had 49 yards on 13 carries. The Dolphins, on the entering the day, had given up 140 yards a game on the ground. 140. And the Jets could not move the football. The Jets went three and out five times. So they were frequently handing the ball back to the Dolphins. That is nothing new. I saw a stat today on Twitter, I believe from ESPN, that the Jets go three and out on offense 44.9% of the time. That is the second worst mark in the league behind the Arizona Cardinals. And simply put, it shows that this group is not very talented, not very creative either. That goes to the coaching. We're going to get to the coaching. Believe me, we will. But there are a lot of issues with this team. There was a ton of undisciplined football. After one of the picks, the guy goes out of bounds with the, with the ball. 
Brandon Shell, right tackle, goes out of bounds and levels the guy on the ground, clear on the white, gives the Dolphins 15 free yards. All of a sudden, Miami is in field goal range, and they end up kicking it and get their first three points. They have a bad sequence late in this game. This, is, this drive right in the third quarter described the Jets game in a nutshell. This is the first time they've moved the ball the entire day, mind you. They were down, I believe, 6-3 at this point. Third quarter, they get big helps from two personal fouls on the Dolphins, move the ball 30 yards down the field. They're in field goal range. They get sacked on second down. They could take a delay a game penalty, lose five yards. Third down, rush a screenplay, have nothing happen. All of a sudden, Jason Myers comes out, misses a 55-yard field goal. That says it all right there. This team is just incompetent, and it all comes from the top. All comes from Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles has lost this football team, and he showed throughout the game on Sunday why he needs to go as soon as possible. Okay, number one, bad decision-making. A couple examples of this. In the fourth quarter, when they were down six to th- or down 13-3 at this point, Todd Bowles, fourth and six, sent his kicker out for a 55-yard field goal right after he misses the 50. Now, Myers bails him out, makes the kick, but terrible decision-making right there. Earlier in the game, he challenged a spot on a third down and short play. He got lucky. The refs overturned it, but challenging a spot is a very, very dumb idea. You almost never win those, and the fact that he happened to win this time does not let him off the hook for a terrible decision. Another bad thing was the fact that this team was forced to use a timeout in the second half after about a minute and 20 seconds. Timeouts are gold in the second half. First half, who cares? If you have a bad play, get out of it. Second half, you need to be ready and have your play calling set up and know what you're doing. The fact that you're burning a timeout that they were going to need later in the game. We saw the way this was going. They needed that timeout. The fact they did not have it is a big, big problem. The biggest thing for this game that I took away was the fact that he let Spencer Long ruin the football game with his bad snapping. Spencer Long on the day, his snaps were all over the place. At least two of the interceptions came after bad snaps from Spencer Long. At one point, Long snapped the ball past Darnold, and he had to run and catch it to try and avoid a fumble. They took him out eventually, put in Jonathan Harrison late in the game. After the contest, Todd Bowles tells the media that he was only took Long out because he was hurt. That's right. Long's terrible performance did not matter. What mattered was that he was hurt. Now, I get the dilemma they have here. Jonathan Harrison is a backup player. Long's a veteran. He's a lot of experience. He's very important setting up protections, and he's good in the run game. But you know what? You cannot let him ruin the game with those snaps. Catalan and Lofting were basically counting when the snaps are bad. I was watching this game, watching the snap from the center of the quarterback instead of watching the rest of the screen. That should not happen in a pro football game. The fact is, in that scenario, you have two options. Number one, you either put Darnold behind the center so Long doesn't have to worry about snapping Long. Or two, you take him out and you put Harrison in so you can run your shotgun offense. Doing the same thing over 
and over and over again is the definition of insanity. And it continues. After the game, Todd Bowles actually went after the defense. The defense played well in this game. They helped the Dolphins to 3 of 16 on third downs. 3 of 16. But after the game, Bowles' big complaint was that they did not force enough turnovers. This made, drove people crazy. One of those people, Bart Scott, former Jet linebacker, now on the SNY Jets postgame live. Now, back in the day, back in the 2009-2012 era Jets, that show was must-watch TV after Jet games with Ray Lucas, Brian Custer, Adam Shine, and Joe Klecko. It's fallen off in the recent years. Only Lucas has left. But for some reason, I ended up there Sunday. And I saw this incredible rant from Bart Scott after Todd Bowles basically threw the defense under the bus. Let me play for a bit for you what you have to say, courtesy of SNY. Man, this is bull crap, right? No, we got to get turnovers? Really? Three for 16, that's a turnover. Mm-hmm. When you get them three and out, that's a turnover. Mm-hmm. That's getting the ball back to the offense. What are you talking about? Four sacks, holding Osweiler 15 for 24 for 139. What the hell are you talking about? Well, That's the type of statement that pisses me off in the locker room as a defensive player, and we got to have a conversation. Because you start pointing fingers saying, we ain't doing good enough. You didn't do good enough. Mm. You didn't represent us good enough. You didn't prepare us good enough. You didn't make adjustments. We had questions, and you didn't give us any answers. What, what, How about that one? What did you make of the, team, the response? Get the hell out of here. Uh, you knew Bart was going to His drawing board. Let's take his drawing board. Uh, I hear you. I hear we're you. We're going to take his ink pen in a minute. He ain't going to be there to draw nothing. I 100% agree with Bart Scott here. The fact that Bowles took a, the defense to task for not forcing enough turnovers is a big issue. It's going to divide the locker room. Jamal Adams, after the game, was pissed off. And he said that he was tired of losing. I don't blame him. Jamal Adams is a winning player. He comes from winning tradition in college at LSU. Now he's coming here, he's losing games in the pros? No wonder a couple of days later he's liking tweets from Calvin Watkins saying that Dallas should pay him whatever they want in free agency. It gets better. Just before I came in today, I'm recording this on Wednesday, I see on Twitter, Sam Darnold's hurt. Sam Darnold is in a walking boot at practice today, in street clothes. Manish Mehta reporting on the, from the New York Daily News that he's expected to miss this week's game against Buffalo. They have a bye, and they're not optimistic he's going to play after the bye. So the quarterback is hurt behind a terrible offensive line. What's the problem here? I'll tell you the problem. After the game, Sam Darnold said he was a little digged up. You could see in that second half of that football game that he was limping a little bit. When they asked Todd Bowles on Monday in his press con- weekly press conference if he was aware of Darnold having an injury problem, he said that he knew nothing and that the injury report would tell you more on Wednesday. Two days later, he's in a walking boot. That tells you one of two things. Number one, Todd Bowles lied to the press about this injury. Number two, Todd Bowles had no idea his starting quarterback was hurt. And the quarterback has a significant foot sprain, according to Meta. That's not something you don't hear about. And I'll tell you what, Bowles is probably thrilled his quarterback is hurt because Todd Bowles knows his job is on the line and now he's probably looking for an excuse to get Josh McCown in the games to try and win and save his butt. Guess what? Now he can. McCown's going to start this week. McCown might start after the bye. And Josh McCown playing against Buffalo 
gives them a better chance to win right now. That's good for Bowles, but it's not good for this team. This team needs to worry about developing the quarterback. That is what this year comes down to. I have seen nothing from this coach that makes me believe he's capable of doing that. Nothing. And you know what? I'm sick and tired of everyone making excuses for him. Let me point out, again, I've said this many times, since week 16 of 2015, when they beat the Patriots and were a game away from the playoffs, this football team is 13-29. and 13-29. and 29. They have not made the playoffs in eight years. I was an undergraduate in college last time they made the playoffs. Now, this is not all on him, but at some point, we need accountability here. Enough's enough. If he loses to Buffalo with his preferred quarterback in there, I would fire him immediately. Get him out. Let Bates finish the year. Maybe we'll find out if Bates can call a game plan without Bowles like, being ultra-conservative. I had enough of this garbage. Enough. Move on. We got to get this process going here. We know that he's not the coach. We know he's not going to be here next year. Don't prolong the inevitable. If the Buffalo Bills, who just got destroyed by the Bears last week, and who could not score a lick against the Patriots on Monday night two weeks ago, if they walk into MetLife Sunday with either Derek Anderson or inaccurate rookie Josh Allen and beat the Jets, Todd Bowles needs to be fired immediately. Enough of this garbage. Let's move on. Okay, I have to stop now. The Jets are going to give me Ajita. I could go on for another three hours on how terrible they are, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do some NFL talk with Joe D'Aloisio right after this. Kamara starts in the slot. Passes to Thomas. He's gone. Touchdown, Saints. to Michael Thomas on third down. Well, you see Marcus Peters, he's not even ready. And he's trying to communicate. Michael Thomas just simply runs right by him. All right, that clip you just heard was courtesy of Fox Sports. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman calling the big Michael Thomas touchdown and the Saints 45-35 win over the Rams. Sets the tone for the midseason report. Joining me today is a guy I've had on twice before, making his third appearance on the podcast covers the NFL for fan-sided, now on the Mount Rushmore for Just End the Suffering podcast guests, Joe D'Aloisio. Joe, welcome back to the show. How are you? Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, as always. Am I the first to make it on three times? Yes, you are. Great. I'm so glad to have uh, reached that accomplishment. Yeah, there's a bunch of two-timers now. You're the only one who has gone to the three. three. I appreciate that. That must mean that I have something good to say or some good things, maybe. Hopefully. I don't know. But I appreciate you having me on. I've gotten good feedback on your podcast, so I, I always enjoy try, try to give people what they want. Thank you. All right, let's talk about the NFL midseason. A lot of big storylines going on. What's the biggest surprise that you've taken out of the first half? Um, I think the biggest surprise is how good the Kansas City Chiefs have been. And, like, I expected Kansas City to be a very solid team. 
I didn't expect him to be great right off the bat with Patrick Mahomes. And what's been really astonishing about Kansas City and Mahomes especially is he hasn't hit that block yet. He hasn't hit that slump that every young quarterback does. And that could be because maybe he sat for a year or it could be because he's that good. I mean, I can't tell you many quarterbacks that go into New England and play, even though they lost, but play as well as Patrick Mahomes did. That is impressive. Yeah, he's definitely been a huge surprise. I don't think anybody saw this coming. My big surprise is the Chicago Bears. Just the fact that like Khalil, adding Khalil Mack has made such a huge difference to that football team. Khalil Mack is a generational player. I mean, that's how good this guy is. Um so I'm not that surprised that they made it that they're that much better because that defense was already pretty solid, but he just took them at next level. And um, you know, when you can add a player like that on either side of the ball, that's that's that big of a difference maker. You're gonna sh- you're gonna see it in the standings. Yeah, that defense has been great for me in fantasy. He got me 38 points last week. I was able to win with them, but. Let's go on to the other side of the spectrum. What's the biggest disappointment in your book right now? Biggest disappointment is they ha- has to be the Oakland Raiders. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts, the Oakland Raiders. And remember, this is a team that just two years ago won 12 games and made the playoffs. Again, two years ago. We're not too far removed from there. And you thought John Gruden coming in would be great for pretty much the entire organization. And it's been a disaster. And it's been a disaster since he mishandled Khalil Mack. Um, granted, he got a boatload back. He traded away Amari Cooper, and he, he, he robbed Dallas, which was a great move. But you talk about this team in general right now, it's as dysfunctional as possible, and it's just going to get worse as the season progresses. Yeah, I think I have a couple of cases for disappointments for me. I think, obviously, the Giants are one you could point to, just given the hope they had preseason. But I think that was a little fool's goal we, we found out. But I honestly go with your team, the Packers, just the fact that they've been – if I picked them to go to the Super Bowl this year, and they're not very, really miss the playoffs again. Yeah, no, there's a really, really good chance that they're going to miss the playoffs. And, you know, the Packers have to go 7-1 and one to win 10 games. Like, you, when you have a team, when you, for, excuse me, when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, 10 games should be given. And the fact that you need to pretty much run the table to reach that mark, that's very disappointing. And it's not looking good in Green Bay. Absolutely not. They are nowhere near the top of the NFC, which is where I thought they would be. The two teams at the top, we saw them play on Sunday. The Saints beat the Rams 45-35. That game influenced who you think is the best team in the conference? No, uh, it didn't. It, it did not influence me one one bit. Now, I actually, I will admit this. Going into that game, I thought the Saints would win. Um, after watching the Rams play the, the Packers, there were parts of me that's, that really saw how vulnerable the the Rams could be and especially since they were home now again when you play Aaron Rodgers anything could go but the fact that Green Bay was in it till the end time Montgomery fumble yada 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 but I thought them coming across to the to pretty much the east coast to take on the Saints in their own house would be a trap game and and it ended up being that but I still give the edge to the LA Rams and the reason why is because of that defense that defense is so good and so much better than the Saints' defense. When push comes to shove, I think they will rise above in the playoffs. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, I definitely I took the Saints in the podcast last week when I picked. I thought that this the Rams are definitely vulnerable, but like the thing I like about the Rams is that they just have so much talent on both sides of the football, whereas the Saints I feel like have defensive issues that you have to worry about with them. And, and that's the thing, it's just the well-balanced team that the Rams are on both sides of the ball. And again, last year, we saw last year from the Saints, that secondary was phenomenal. This year, it's not the same case. Those young kids are still out there. They're not playing as dominant as they once were. So it's a lot of um, unpredictability that you'll get from that Saints team. Yeah, for sure. The other compelling division in the NFC right now is the North. You had the the Packers are out of it at the moment. The, the Vikings and the Bears, the two on the top, they, they got their game got flexed to sign at football in two weeks. Which one of those teams do you think is the favorite to win that division right well, now? Well, I mean, this is pretty much a bad answer, but I think it's either that. It's going to either be the Vikings or the Bears. Now, um, and the reason why I, I say both, obviously, right now is because they are top of the division, but they also play each other twice. And if you look, the, the Bears do have an easier schedule uh, the rest of the way out, having to play the Giants and the 49ers. So that does help them, but I'm not convinced when it comes to the Bears' offense and Mitch Trubisky. That's why, you know, the Vikings ponied up a lot of money for Kirk Cousins. I think this is why, even though Kirk Cousins has never won a playoff game, I think, though, that this this Vikings team, similar to that Rams team, is more uh, well-balanced overall. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I would lean Vikings, too, just because, like you said, Kirk Cousins being there is a big edge of quarterback because we don't know what Trubisky is at this point. The other thing that people don't realize is that they have not had Dalvin Cook for basically the entire season. We saw him come back on Sunday. He had he broke off the 70-yard run. Now he's got the buys, and he's fully over the hamstring injury, and now I feel like he's going to be a difference maker and put them over the top. Oh, yeah, that's going to definitely add a different dimension to that offense, which they were lacking without him. Um, So then this offense is only going to get better, and I think it puts a little less pressure on Kirk Cousins to throw the ball 40 times a game. Oh, for sure. The other fascinating like situation here is that the second wild card is wide open. The first one is probably going to be Carolina. They're 6-2 and two right now, and they have a pretty decent schedule down the stretch. But you have the runner-up in the NFC North, the NFC East, which we have, I just get, go there for first for one second. Who, who the hell was winning that division? The Eagles. I think the Eagles pull away with that division. I think Washington is a complete uh, – Force. I don't think they're as good as their record. See, uh, their record uh, says right now. Um, I think that I think they're going to end up turning it around that towards the second half of the season and really put um step on the pedal and go full force here. And you have Dallas toast. Oh, Dallas is toast. Yeah, yeah Dallas is toast. The Giants are toast. So yeah. it's going to come down between the Eagles and Redskins. Give me the Eagles. All right. So let's put these teams in there. We put the let's put the Bears in there. Let's get the Vikings in the North. Okay. We'll put the Redskins down here. Seattle or Atlanta, which of those teams do you like to get the second wild card? I like Atlanta. I like the way Matt Ryan's been playing. And Atlanta going on the road and beating Washington the way they did is exactly what they needed to start getting, start moving, to pick up the pace a little bit. I think that's a great win. This upcoming week they're on the road again, but against a Cleveland team. you got to win these games. They play so much better at home, but if they're winning these uh, winnable games on the road, it's only going to help them. Yeah, Atlanta, that's impressive, too. They were 1-4. People forget about that. And they've won three in a row, and they look like they are got it together, finally. You know, Julio Jones just scored his first touchdown. If that, if they could get that connection going. I mean, the connection's been there, but if they could get him scoring, man, sky's the limit. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, plus the fact they signed Bruce Irvin, who the Raiders cut again for some stupid reason. Now they have another guy to help rush the passer on that defense. Exactly, and you don't know what you have in Bruce Irvin, but again, it's a good risk that you take, and he could be a difference maker for a team that didn't have anybody really playing at linebacker because of injuries. Okay, let's go to the AFC now. We know the Kansas City Chiefs are on top right now of the of the pack. They're eight and one, but people don't realize that the LA Chargers have been very good. There's right, I think a half game behind them, and they did lose to the Chiefs in Week One. They still they play them again Week Fifteen, I think, on Thursday night. But like, can the Chargers catch them and pass them in the division? No, I don't think so. And the main reason why is looking at both of those schedules. The Chiefs have to play Oakland twice, where the Chargers have to play the Broncos twice, and that's going to be huge. The Chiefs are going to sweep. Sweep the Raiders, where I don't think a sweep is is guaranteed on the other side when it comes to the Chargers going up against the Broncos. I think the Chiefs hold on. Yeah, assuming the Chargers actually hold on and get to the playoffs, you think this is a year that they maybe they could finally break through with Rivers and get into a Super Bowl? I don't think so because of how good a team like the Chiefs are. Um, again, we, we haven't even mentioned the Patriots. We haven't even mentioned the Steelers. There are a lot of good teams up top. At the in the AFC, and I just don't think that uh, that the Chargers are that talented overall to be able to, to defeat one of those top heavy top heavy teams. Yeah, you just mentioned the Patriots and the Steelers, who I, or right now are in command of their respective divisions. Like, which of those two do you think is the bigger playoff threat at the moment? It's got to be the Patriots. I mean, you uh, you can never disrespect the Patriots, and as you know, as long as Brady and Belichick are together, you'll always they'll always be a threat. They'll always be a force. I know jo- Josh Gordon just got hurt, but if that connection starts going, that's huge. I mean, I know you mentioned the Packers before as your most disapp- as one of your most disappointing teams, but to see what the Patriots just did to the Packers, I mean, they dismantled them. They dismantled them, and they were without Gronk and without Sony Michelle, and-, and they just always get it right, and they always put it together. It's so hard to go against them. Yeah, my friend, like my buddy Phil Lombardo, who did the picks a couple weeks back, made a great analogy to the Patriots. He basically pointed out like every year they basically treat September as a second preseason. They go two and two. They experiment what they want to do with their lineups, and then they just take off. It's like right when you think, "Oh, here comes the downfall," they turn it around in seconds, and it's a completely different team. It's no, it's really, really crazy just watching them every year. You're always sitting there thinking, "Oh, is this the year that Father Time catches Brady, or is this the year that the dynasty ends?" And then. You bl- and you get to January, they're thirteen and three, and they're hosting the the uh, Ace Championship game. Don't get me wrong; I think we're we're closer to that to that era than we all think, and it's coming sooner rather than later. But until they're still together, Brady and Bill, no stopping them. Yeah, as a Jeff, I hope the end comes soon because I'm sick of watching Brady lord over this division year after year after year. I think as a Jet fan, you have your own problems that are are, are more relevant and more important to deal with than we're worrying about Brady and Belichick. Yeah, we'll get to him in a little bit, but let's let's continue on. Like, let's go to Pittsburgh for a second as well. Like, I just amazed that like they real their offense has not really missed a beat without Le'Veon Bell the whole season. James Conner is basically better, and that's why I'm kind of nervous to find out when Le'Veon Bell comes back to see what they do. Yeah. I don't think you could pull James Conner. James Conner has been so good for this team. I find it very hard to believe that you're going to, you know, reduce his touches for Le'Veon Bell. But at the same time, they know what they have in Le'Veon Bell. I just I'm afraid here that it's going to cause some issues with that offense, and that could end up hurting them down the stretch. Yeah, I think for sure. I think from the stuff I've read lately, it makes sense. It sounds like Le'Veon Bell might not even play because he doesn't need to show up to get be eligible for the third franchise tag, which they won't do. 
they can transition him. So, like, is he going to show up for four, $4.5 million and risk, like, injuring himself? I doubt it. No, at this point, no. And if I'm the Steelers and he does show up, he's just going to sit there. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to put him in unless Connor gets hurt. Okay, so now let's go to the rest of the AFC playoff picture. The AFC South right now, the Texans, we think they're pretty safe there. We'll put them in for now. Let's go to the wildcard race. Chargers have one. Second wildcard, like the NFC, also a bunch of muddled teams here. Let's say Cincinnati right now is in the lead, five and three. Miami is five and four. Tennessee, four and four after they thrashed Dallas the other night. I put Baltimore and Jacksonville in there as well because I feel like just based on their defenses, which team do you think claims that wild card? I think Baltimore is out. I think Baltimore. Really? Gonna, I think Baltimore's out, and I think they're going to be in. They're going to be looking for a new head coach this offseason. Um, it would have to be, I think, the Cincinnati Bengals, um, and that surprises it surprises me to say that because I can't stand Marvin Lewis. I just think he's just such a mediocre coach, and I don't know how he still has a job. <laughs> but I think overall, they're kind of a different. They seem somewhat like a different team, and one thing that I like from them is the production out of Joe Mixon and when Joe Mixon's on the field it makes this offense so different I mean Boyd has been great as a second wide receiver you have AJ Green they're a solid team that could sneak in there at that last wild card I'm not saying they'll do damage but I see them out of all the teams that you just mentioned plus one thing in their favorite the schedule they don't play prime time again this year so we don't have to worry about them turning into pumpkins after dark exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay Let's have a little fun here. We have obviously you're worried about coaching changes. Everybody's thinking about you know who's on the hot seat. Let's not start to play a little game. All right, let's let's I'm, do it. Okay, I'm going to give put two minutes on the clock. I'm going to give you a list of head coaches. Give me a snap decision if they are going to be here next year or if they're out. Okay, All in right. or out. Okay, so let's 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 start the clock. All right, number one, New York Jets. Todd Bowles out. Thank the Lord he'd be out. Out. There is no chance that he's coming back. Okay. I agree with that. That'd be great. Adam Gase. In. In. Okay. John Harbaugh in Baltimore. Out. Real- I think mm-hmm. I, I think at this point that this team expects more from John Harbaugh and, and the Baltimore Ravens overall as an organization expect more. And his time has come in Baltimore. Okay. Your favorite coach, Marvin Lewis. He's staying. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. He's staying. He's in. Uh, Bill O'Brien with the Texans. I think he stays, too. I mean, he's turned it around. They've won their last five straight, so I, I find it hard to believe that uh, they end up moving on. Uh, Vance Joseph in Denver. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think he, he stays. They gave him the benefit of the doubt for one more year. He's the toughest call on this list, I think. Yeah, I think they would. I think it'd be it'd be it wouldn't surprise me if they kept him. It wouldn't surprise me if they decided to go elsewhere. Jay Gruden. In. Jason Garrett. In. And he shouldn't be. He's another one like Marvin Lewis. He'll always be there. Yeah, it, make, it makes no sense. I thought Jerry wanted to extend him. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't go with what Jerry says. It's it's At this point, it's it's comical. All right, Dirk Cutter. Out. And last but not least, your coach, Mike McCarthy. If the Green Bay Packers do not make the playoffs, he is 100% out. If he makes it, he's staying. All right, and with that, you you with ten seconds to spare. Got all ten guys. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Quick thought there, Jason. Go back to Jason Garrett for a second. It's just mind-boggling to me that the Cowboys are just so wed to him because he's been there for nine years and won one playoff game. I mean, here's the thing, though. He's a puppet. Yeah. Let's say it, say it how it is. He's a puppet. Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, mostly Jerry. 
They're, they're calling the shots. He's on the sh- sideline. He's clapping his hands. Yeah. And he's gonna keep doing that until it gets that bad where they have no they have no other choice but to get rid of him. Yeah, Jerry Jones, I think, just loves the idea of being in charge and like picking the players, and he'd rather do that than actually win. Without a doubt. Uh, but again, they're not gonna win with Jason Garrett on the sideline. He's not. It's not cut. He's not. Is he's not cut to be a head coach? Oh, for sure. So, who was your preseason Super Bowl pick? I believe it was Pat's Packers. Oh, same as me. Yeah, I, I Pat's Packers. I believe. Yeah. Okay. So now I've given you a mulligan. What would you do now? Chiefs Rams it's not very predictable I'm taking the two best teams but I mean think about this matchup right right yeah two of the best offenses two of the better or if not best young quarterbacks in the league I mean points galore I, w- I could see like a 45 41 matchup right here playmakers all over the field that would be a lot of fun that Super Bowl I think that would be a great Super Bowl to watch and we get to see it in two weeks on Monday night exactly yeah it- it- we're gonna get a good preview of it I just really hope it's not, you know, the Patriots versus uh, any team, any other team. Well, if the Patriots make it, I want to see them get challenged by the Rams. I yeah. want to see a young quarterback go and verse Brady and company again, similar to what we just saw, what we recently have seen from Kansas City. Yeah, I took the Patriots Packers preseason as well. I was I was on the Aaron Rodgers train. I'm gonna get off the Packers. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the Saints in there just because I feel like. Drew Brees, with all that playoff experience, he's going to get by the Rams in the NFC Championship game. And I'm going to stick with New England just because I have a feeling they're going to end up with home field because don't forget they have that tiebreaker over the Chiefs for now. So if they end up even, they get home field. And I don't trust Reed going into Foxborough and beating them. I'll give you a little nugget about Drew Brees. Yeah. 18 touchdowns, one interception, 76% completion percentage. That is a Hall of Famer. And hard to believe he has never won the MVP. Unbelievable. Yeah. I saw that graphic the other. I think the when they play on Sunday night against the Vikings two weeks, I was just like shocked that he had never won. Unbelievable! One of the best quarterbacks to ever play. All right, I know you're also a big fantasy guy for fan side, so I'm gonna give you ask you a fantasy question. Two of my teams in fantasy are in the playoff hunt. I am eight and one in one league, six and three in another. So you're sitting pretty. I am sitting pretty in one league, and one the eight and one teams in first place, six and three. I'm in third or fourth. I forget where I am, but okay. I need. I'm not looking at some players trying to bolster my bench, give myself some options to make the playoffs. Who are some guys I can look to pick up that could help me? All right, so I'll give you two wide receivers and two running backs. How's that sound? That sounds good. I have running back issues. That would be great. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the running back issues. So I would keep a very close eye on Duke Johnson, and he's not the number one back in Cleveland, but he had a big game last week in the past game. And if uh, obviously Baker Mayfield is going to be hit, hit the quarterback, the fact that that just happened under you know new, new offensive coordinator, new interim head coach, we should expect to see Duke Johnson's role increase. Now, if Nick Chubb goes down with an injury, Duke Johnson's a must-add. I don't think he's enough to add right now, unless you're in a PPR league and you're in that much trouble. Yeah, that was me in one league. I I did, I did pick him up before last week. So, so I got there lucky. you go. Yeah, there you go. You got lucky there, yeah. but it paid off, especially if you were in a PPR league. Another another running back. If you're in a PPR league, Theo Riddick, a guy again who's not the number one back, but is coming off a game where he just had seven receptions. I mean, if you're in a PPR re- league, seven receptions that's seven points right there. <laughs> I mean, he only had 36 yards, but hey, that's 10 points that you would have had other than um, rather than nothing for playing someone on a bye or going or taking the gamble with another um, running back. And the Lions just got rid of Amir Abdullah, so there's more touches in Theo Riddick's near future, I think. Another guy, though, 
and most likely he's not available at this point, Ito Smith. Yeah, I think he's gone in most of my leagues. He should be gone in most leagues. If he is not, add him now. Okay, that's the running backs. What about the receivers? Receivers, I'm going to go to the Green Bay Packers here, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The Packers just lost Geronimo Allison for the rest of the year. They put him on IR with a groin injury. Um, MVS is one of Rodgers' young threats. Out of the three rookies that the Packers drafted, he has been the most successful so far. Um, He's got seven catches for over 20-plus yards, tied with Calvin Ridley at the most, for the most, um, in the rookie category. He has deep ball threat. He is quick, and most importantly, he's building trust with Aaron Rodgers. You have Devontae Adams on one side, and you have MVS on the other side. Adam. Yeah, I watched him Sunday night against the uh, Patriots. Like he had an incredible catch down the down the middle right there. He's a great playmaker. Great playmaker has a ton of speed, good routes, quick, talented. If he's available, take the take the gamble, add him to the roster. Another guy, a veteran. He's finally off the market. Des Bryant and the New and he just signed with the Saints. So with Des, I don't know what his role is necessarily going to be on this team. But if there's one thing I could tell you about it is that Drew Brees is the leader of this team. Des Bryant's voice in the locker room will not be overheard or over Drew Brees. Drew Brees will control Des Bryant, and that's the key to this. And that's why there was only a few teams that Des really fit with, and that's somewhere I, you know, I narrowed it down to the Saints, the Patriots, and I even gave Seattle the benefit of the doubt. All three of those teams, especially Saints and Patriots, a veteran quarterback that can control the locker room. I think he's going to have some success in the red zone, especially his big body, his big frame. It'll open things up for that offense. Oh, for sure. I also want to throw a tight end out there. I know a lot of people have tight end issues because this position is dreadful. How about Chris Herndon on the Jets? What are your thoughts on him? I'll tell you what. He is my Week 10 FanDuel lineup, um, tight end for my lineup. Um, I think he's been great. Um Fourth round value for when the Jets drafted him. In the last four games, he's gained that. In the last four games, he's gained at least forty-two yards during that stretch. He's had at least eight fantasy points in every game. Speaking on Fanduel scoring system, and in two of those contests, he's finished with twelve. At his value going up against a lousy Bills team, I think it's definitely worth the risk. I mean, the Bills are giving up twenty-six point eight points per game, twenty-sixth in the league. If you could snag him get him yeah I streamed in one of my leagues last week I had Zach Ertz on by he got me eight points which was solid and that's a good connection with Darnold now with McCown throwing the passes and McCown probably be a little more accurate you think think he'll have a good week yeah I think he I think he he should have a good week and you know before week nine he had three straight games with touchdowns that streak ended but he was productive again they go to the veteran quarterback he's going to be a little bit more accurate the opportunities will be there all right, that was a very deep dive into the NFL midseason. Joe, thanks for your time. Mike, anytime. I can't wait for the fourth. <laughs> the fourth will be coming eventually. Before you go, though, remind everybody about your social media handle and some of the stuff you're up to. All right, yeah, so give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore. Do not forget the double underscore. Double underscore, or you won't find me. D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And I know it's difficult. I'm sorry. I couldn't make <laughs> it any easier. But, Joe... Double underscore D A L O I S I O. And what what's some of the stuff you're doing for fan side right now? So yeah, every single week I have a weekly fan duel lineup that uh, is posted Sunday morning, bright and early. So you wake up, you want to have your coffee, you want to look at the games, you want to pick your fan duel lineup, check it out at fansided.com. 
Um, you can just search my name and the article will appear. I give you a full lineup of all from the Sunday games, excluding the Sunday night game. But all the, the 1 o'clock, the 4 o'clock slot, find all the, the good buys in there. You must read, Kyle. You check it out for us up my lines every week. Joe, thanks again. Mike, anytime. All right, that was Joe D'Aloisio with the NFL Midseason Report. Coming up next, show me the money. NFL picks week number 10 coming up right after this. Show me the money. All right, and we're back. Show me the money. Week number 10 of the NFL season. Hard to believe that the NFL regular season is halfway over. A lot of fun covering this sport. I have a great guest here with me today to make the picks. It is Sam DeRosa. Sam, welcome. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Not a problem. What kind of fan are you before we get started? <laughs> I am a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Really? How did that happen? Um, I was in early high school. I decided to steal um, a version of Madden. I think it was like 06, 07. And uh, decided to play it. Made my own player. I was Sam Samuels. I've always wanted to be a kicker in football. Uh, was never given that opportunity uh, being <laughs> a female. But... Um, so I made him a kicker, made him as big as he can be, as tall as he can be, and he ended up becoming like a lineman. And I was a first round, first draft pick to Jacksonville Jaguars. And I was like, oh, interesting, because my whole family is Giants fans. So I decided to follow them, and I've been a fan ever since. I give you credit for that, because that's a tough era to follow <laughs> Jacksonville football, because that's when the Giants win two Super Bowls, and even the Jets at that point were making conference championship games. That was a lot of losing, you got to see. Oh, yeah, so much losing. So any kind of winning now is great. <laughs> Yeah, they haven't had they haven't had a lot of winning recently. They're three and five this year. Tough break coming out of the bye. Do you think they can turn it around with their defense? Um, I think so. Um, Leonard Fournette is supposed to be starting this game, and I've been saying it uh, since last year that he has been the leader of the Jaguars on the field, and I think him coming back will be a big game changer this uh, coming Sunday. I agree. I think I think they miss him a lot. You could tell just watching them play. It was just so painful to watch them move the ball on offense. One of the big targets, the lightning rod, is quarterback Blake Bortles. He's had some rough games. Why do you think do you think they can win with him? Do you think that he's the uh answer right now? Um I think that the, he's the best bet. I never like going against uh what the team does. You know, I feel like that's like anti fan, um, just from my point of view. Um, I think they can, especially, um, you know, Fournette's coming back, um, AJ, um, UA, and um, Meeks is coming back, um, you know, maybe not this week, but in the next coming weeks. And I think the team will come together again and it will be great. Yeah, one thing I've prepared, I made this comparison in the past. I feel like he's a lot like Mark Sanchez in a way was for the Jets because, like, Hear me out on this. Back in like 2009, 2010, like Sanchez was a rookie with the Jets. They had a good defense. They had a good running game. They had some weapons for him, and they were winning. And then they took the weapons away and asked Sanchez to do it on his own. He couldn't. I feel like that's kind of what Bortles is right now, where like they want him to be the guy, and it's not asking more than he can do. No, I totally agree. He's quick on his feet. I don't think he's like the world's worst quarterback. I don't think he's the best. He's now Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but. I really think that he could just like he's a placeholder for a great quarterback, but he can also get the job done and throw the ball down the field. Yeah, his scrambling ability is incredible. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I just think he gets scared. I mean, I don't, I've never <laughs> met the guy, don't know him anything, but you could just like see it through the face mask. Like he's a little scared. Yeah, I mean, if you see this big three hundred pound guys running after you, I'd be scared too. <laughs> Same. Okay, so 
Let's go to next week. They're playing the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday in Indy. What do you think their chances are of winning this game? I really think they they could really pull through. I know the Colts are after them. They really want to get back in the race, but I think the Jaguars are going to hold their ground. I think this is when they're going to wake up. And they, they were saying, um, I was reading articles online, and they were saying that the Jaguar, the, they were like, we're better than ever. Like we needed this four day break. This is going to be a good game changer. Yeah, for sure. They needed the. They definitely needed that by. I also am not sure how I feel about the Colts because I watched <laughs> them play my team. They got wrecked. They won the last two games for their buy. So. I want to see what they're going to do. It's going to be a fascinating game to watch on Sunday. Yeah, well, my fingers are crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's go to the picks. We'll reset the standings. Our good friend Anthony Sorbellini, who's actually just outside right now, he was here last week making picks, and his week was not great. <laughs> Ant went 0-3 last week. He took the Ravens minus 3. They lost to Pittsburgh. He took the Seahawks minus 2.5 at home. They lost to the L.A. Chargers. And he took Joe D'Alizio's Green Bay Packers plus six, and the Packers got blown out. <laughs> I'm afraid of my yeah. picks now. I'm going to get hey, Anthony sound set, affected. It's, it's, a, it's a low bar, so Anthony set the bar low. He's the first 0-3 on the guests. So the, guests oh, have done, the guests have done well this year. <laughs> All right. On, I, on the other hand, I had a little more fun. I went 3-0. Okay, I'm not going to play the whole thing for you, but we'll go, we're going to go ahead here. I went 3-0 and last week. I went head-to-head with Ant on the Steelers, plus three. Got that correct. Panthers, minus six. They beat Fitzmagic in Tampa Bay. They got that one correct. And then I took the Saints, plus one, against the L.A. Rams. I thought they were due for a loss. I was correct. <laughs> it was nice to see them lose. Yeah, I had that feeling. Been, they were, like, teetering on the edge of losing for a while. I felt like that was the spot, and it turned out to be a good pick, so. The challengers on the year are 15, 11, and 1. They have one push. I am now 15 and 12, <laughs> 7, 2 the last three weeks. So I'm within a half game of the, of the lead. So no pressure. Oh, yeah. So should I just go for it? <laughs> All right. I also, before we get started, I've been playing around with the soundboard in here. I have a little background music I'm going to give us for the pick. So oh, I'm excited. I'm going to set this up. And then, Sam, you can take it away with your first pick. All right. All right, my uh, <laughs> my first pick. I think the Jaguars are going to uh, take the Colts um, plus three. You know, in the game. Um, you know, like I said before, really excited to see them out and play, and I think they're going to come back and win it. Um, I'm also for the Browns against the Falcons. Uh, hold on one sec before we move on to the Browns. Look, I also I want to say I agree with your Jaguar pick. <laughs> I think that that pick is a very good choice because I feel like the Colts are getting massively overrated right now because they had two good weeks in a row. And, like, Jacksonville has a defense. And you, like you said before, getting Fournette back is going to be huge for that team. I think they're going to do it. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad somebody agrees with me. All right. Let's go to your next pick. <laughs> but, Where are you going? Um, so I have the Browns um, over the Falcons um, in four. Um, literally, I, I have this thing for the Browns. Like, they're the underdog for me all the time. So I don't like to root too much against the underdog. So I really think – they're going to take it over the Falcons. I also think the Falcons aren't going to do well this week. I have that like weird like feeling in my gut, you know? <laughs> you ever have those? Yeah, I've had those. I, I, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I like I like the idea with the Browns just because, I mean, they're played, they played better last week. They played the Chiefs, who were tough. And I think yes. they could obviously get it together and make a good run this week. I could see them doing it. So what's your last pick of the week? I mean, I have I had to pick one. Uh, this is for my uncle because he said if I don't pick it, he'll disown me as a niece. So this, uh, so what's your uncle's name? His name's John. So what's Uncle John's pick? Uh, his pick is the 49ers over the Giants. Uh, 
under minus three, minus three. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's a big fan. Uh, you know, I secretly support the 49ers and the Chiefs because that's my family. We're all the misfits of football yeah, they're fans. All, your family's all over the place. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's literally our three teams and then yeah. the Giants. Yeah. So. <laughs> So why do you like the 49ers? That's Uncle John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to help him. I had to, like, push some good uh, positive feelings towards him. Yeah, I like that pick as well. The kid last week, Nick Mullins, that came out of nowhere, threw three touchdowns against the Raiders. And let's be honest, the Giants are not very good. They have to go across the country on Monday night. I don't think they're going to win that game. I think it's a very logical choice. Yeah, except when we jinx it for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> when we're both supporting them. Yeah, I mean, I've had, we've had weeks where my guests, uh, we just copy each other's picks and we go 0-6. It's, it's happened, so... <laughs> Okay, now let's go on to me now. Pick number one for me. I am taking the Washington Redskins plus three in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. This one jumped at me immediately when I saw the sheet. I'm like, how in the world are they underdogs in this game? Tampa Bay is one and five in their last six. Ryan Fitzpatrick, everybody loves him, but he still throws a ton of picks. Tampa can't stop anybody. And Alex Smith does not turn the football over. I think they're going to win that game easily. Oh, I, I agree with you, too. <laughs> I wouldn't put my money against the Redskins. Yes, yeah, it just Fitzpatrick has burned me too much as a Jet fan. I'm just also root against them any chance I can get. <laughs> All right, pick number two. I am taking the Chicago Bears minus six and a half at home against the Detroit Lions. This is mostly because I love the Bear defense. Matthew Stafford got destroyed last week, got sacked about 10 or 11 times by the Vikings. It's not going to get any easier in Chicago. The Bears are on the rise. Number is doable. I think they win by a touchdown, taking the Bears. That's a good pick. Um, I don't know how I would pick against that one, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure about those Bears. Yeah, the Bears are tricky because they have this young, they have this talent, and they think they can be good, but it's just a matter of, like, are they ready to make that leap and go to the playoffs? Yeah, I was, that's another team I root for. You know, they're the, <laughs> also the underdogs historically. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they, have, they have the one Super Bowl compared to, like, Green Bay and all, all those other great teams. That's a 30 for 30 I recommend everyone to watch. Eight, 85 Bears, I've yes. seen that. That was fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. All right, my last pick of the week, I am taking, unfortunately, the New England Patriots. <laughs> minus six and a half against the Tennessee Titans. Everybody's high on Tennessee after they wrecked the Cowboys on Monday night. That game, watching with the Cowboy fan, he was not happy at all. But they're going to come home. They're going to play New England. And New England is doing what New England does. They take the first month off. They go 500. And then, you know, they start winning. And they're going to keep winning. And they're going to win easily. And they're going to go to, I believe it's 8-2 and two now for their bye week. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Patriots supporter, but I agree with that pick as well. Well, this is called the Just End the Suffering podcast. We are anti-Patriots <laughs> on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> All right, to recap the picks, Sam has gone with the Jaguars plus three in Indianapolis against the Colts. The 49ers, thanks to Uncle John, minus three <laughs> against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. And the Cleveland Browns plus four hosting the Atlanta Falcons. I have gone with the Washington Redskins plus three in Tampa Bay to beat Fitzmagic and the Buccaneers. The Chicago Bears minus six and a half hosting the Detroit Lions. And the New England Patriots minus six and a half in Tennessee. Those are your picks for week number 10 on Show Me the Money. Sam, thanks for coming on. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Before we go, I have to ask you a Yankee question. Oh, of course. I love Yankees. Because you're the only Yankee fan I have on the podcast this week. Oh, exciting. Okay, so... <laughs> They made some two big moves recently before agency started. They re-signed CC Sabathia. I brought. I think that's gotten good, uh, good hype, good press. But mm -hmm. the one that's gotten a lot of mixed reviews is Brett Gardner. They signed. They re-signed him. Gave him a seven and a half million dollar deal. I think he's getting paid nine and a half million total. A lot of people are saying he's overpaid. Do you think that's? Do you think that's the case? Honest to God, like you know, when you he's if you ever have the chance to meet Brett Gardner, he isn't like just 
flat out a good person, a good ball player, and he deserves every penny that is given to him. Like this is just one thing I feel like no one should argue about. You know, he you know, he didn't have the best season this year. He is an aging player, but he is the backbone of that team. Him and CeCe are the only ones left from I believe they're the only ones left yeah, from the two thousand nine so. World Series. And they're the ones that are like connecting the new players to the um you know, the senior players as well. So he's like a big glue that's been holding the team together. So I do not like those haters that are not happy with them. Yeah. I mean, you can look at other players that get paid way more than him. Listen, I'm not on the I'm not a Chapman fan, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> but like he's he's somebody I think is way overpaid and Gardner plays more than him, so yeah, I agree with you on Gardner. I feel like he's a winning player, and the Yankees are investing in winning players, which is great. Unlike my team, which hired an agent and GM and now wants to play Tim Tebow in, on the opening day <laughs> roster. But there's a discussion for another day. Be- before you go, Sam, you want to let me know how to follow you on Twitter? Yeah, it's at S-D-E-R-O-S-A-6 uh, or 5. You know, this is horrible. You know, you think you would I would know my own Twitter handle by now. But no, it's Esteros5 because Esteros6 was my college email back at Hofstra. Yeah. So it's S-D-E-R-O-S-5. And that's me on Twitter. I don't, post a lot of sports stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't feel bad about that. I mess that up all the time. I always forget where it's Phillips M or M Phillips three three one at the end of the show. It's I have hard. to constantly reach <laughs> because I think my email is Phillips M three three one and my Twitter is M Phillips three three one. So well, it's I'm glad we're in the same boat of forgetfulness. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. I always have to like redo it and tell people like, guys, I gave you the wrong handle. I got to do it again. It's not good. <laughs> anyway, Sam, thanks for the time. Hey, thanks again all so right. much. All right, that was Sam DeRosa with your Week Ten NFL picks for Show Me the Money. Up next. The two-minute drill, we're going to talk about how I have a connection with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez right after this. Welcome back to this week's two-minute drill. Now, I know this is a sports podcast. This is probably going to be the only time you will ever hear me talk about politics, ever. It's not really about politics. This is kind of political adjacent, but I got a good story here I want to get to. Last night, we saw some history in the midterms. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won the 14th district in New York in the House of Representatives race, became the youngest woman ever elected to Congress, and funny story, I have a connection with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We graduated from the same class at Yorktown High School back in 2007. That's right. We graduated the same class. Now, I can't say I'm friends with her personally. Back in high school, we were kind of in similar circles, but like new opposite ends of the circle, if you know what I mean. So like I knew people that were friends with her and we were friendly, but we were not hanging out all the time. That's basically my connection to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who went by Sandy back in high school. So now I've been following this story for a while because when she upset Joe Crowley in the primary back in June, it was a big deal for my graduating class because it's a big deal for have somebody from our, our grade, our group, become a national figure. Now, I don't agree with everything she wants to do. I just, I don't. We're not going to get into that. But I'm going to give her credit for one thing here. And that is the fact that she took initiative to try and bring about change in this country. This generation, my generation, the one after me, is full of the Twitter warriors, the keyboard warriors, 
who want to tweet out hashtags and do like sit-ins and not actually do anything to promote change. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez took it upon herself to run for Congress. Running for Congress is a great way to try and promote change. That is a lot more effort being put in to making change than almost anybody else I know in this demographic. Now, there's something we need more of in this country. Now, the fact that voter turnout was up is great. That will certainly help. People need to use their votes when they can and actually weigh in instead of just hiding behind their keyboard and saying, oh, I don't like what Trump is doing or, oh, I don't like what the Democrats are doing. Tweeting out a 280-character response to something is not really helping anything. Tweets only go so far. Action matters. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez took action. She ran for Congress. She won. She's going to be sworn in in January, and she's going to try and bring about change in this country. Will she succeed in what she wants to do? I don't know. We won't know that yet. But the fact is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian. I can go, go down as many minorities as you want. But what matters is that somebody I know took it upon themselves to try and bring about change in this country. That's what matters. Taking action matters. Sitting back and being a keyboard warrior is not going to bring about change. Whining on Facebook and posting lengthy statuses and going on these epic comment wars, not going to help anything. Voting, being active, and trying to do things to help others is going to make change in this country. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is doing just that. And I want to say I'm proud of the fact that I know a congresswoman who graduated with me in high school. Hopefully more people will be inspired by her and actually try and bring about change. May not be for me, may not be for all of you out there, but hopefully she inspires some people to try and bring about change in the country. We definitely have our issues, but action is required. Sitting back and hiding behind the keyboard, not an option anymore. Actions speak louder than words. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank my guest, Joe D'Alessio, for coming on to do an NFL midseason report. I also want to thank Sam DeRosa for coming by to do NFL picks in week number 10 of Show Me the Money. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including a look at a college basketball preview I just put up earlier this week, college basketball season underway finally, Champions Classic last night, Duke looked amazing. Check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Google Play for the first time. Just search for Just and the Suffering in the podcast store or the Google Play music section. And feel free to leave your feedback and star rating to help make this podcast even better. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me with the hashtag Sam Samuels if you made it to the end of today's show. Next week's show is going to be a good one. We did Yankees offseason a couple weeks ago. We are focusing our attention on the Mets next week. I have a whole segment planned about that. We're going to have a great guest. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy that. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Broncos fans. (laughs) 